Knots. Chapter 1 The café was just on the good side of overheated. A thick layer of condensation had built up on the wood-framed windows, and wags had already been added, drawing everything from happy faces and rainbows to anatomically optimistic penises. Streetlights flashed, red and amber and green. The dance of droplets and fog was accidentally pretty through her half-closed eyes. Better to look at than be out in, Marianne thought, wriggling her toes. She wished gumboots were fashionable, because it didn't matter how cool or expensive runners might be. They sure sucked when it rained. The bell above the wooden door jangled, followed by a welcome wave of crisp air. Rain and cars, sea and coffee. The city only ever dealt in olfactory casseroles. A pink tapestry fluttered back into place, revealing its flowery, genital subject. It was the sort of thing that would be delivered in discreet brown packaging and hung inside a windowless room back home, not displayed proudly in a public place. The café was LGBT-friendly, heavy on the L. Marianne was still getting used to all the proudness. Pride. It was pride, dumbass. In fact, it was supposed to be called a coffee house. If Sarah worked in a café, she'd call it that, but it was always coffee house. And Ash had called it that, too, without even having been told. Something about the plush chairs and comfortable love seats, she had deduced. And the tiny space left open for a low stage, if your definition of stage was modest. They had poetry readings and music. Sometimes, fiery political meetings. That kind of thing. Were there lots of places like this back in your days? A perfect eyebrow lifted, though her eyes never left the folk duo performing a song, accompanied by a chubby, guitar-like instrument that was apparently a lute. Which days in particular? All? Any? At some point in the past few centuries. Ash huffed. Couple. Couple of centuries. Mm, you don't look a day over one-fifty. My blushes. Her lips quirked into a smile. I heard women couldn't really go out in public like that. Or drink hot chocolate, she added, remembering a nugget of trivia gleaned from a history book. Ash's arm, stretched out along the back of the shabby sofa, came to rest on Marianne's shoulders. She settled in that perfect spot against her. It seemed to be the right kind of place for it, soft, smooth, pillowy. Ash was wearing a sweater soft enough to be made of baby bunnies. Marianne hoped it was only a comparison. In general, for some women, in some places. Oh, one of those. Ash kissed her hair. It felt much more, more, since Marianne had it cut short. Ash had gone from playing with her long hair to scritching the short back and sides with no noticeable drop in enthusiasm, and neck nuzzling was definitely improved. History isn't a line. It's a roiling ball of chaos made up of every class, every race, every gender, and all the variants in between. Anyone who says differently has an agenda to sell. The history of women was by and large written by the upper-class men, who had a vested interest in portraying their own values as the very height of civilized progress, and that their women didn't have to work elevated them above the unwashed poor, that their women were pure, elevated them morally over the dissolute nobility. She considered a moment, 
It helped that they controlled proper education and the means of transmission. Owning a newspaper or knowing a publisher or two went a long way. Only poor women worked. The working class drove industry, and it wasn't only men. It was women and children, too. And even then, there were cracks in the great myth of man. There have always been brave women, angry women, clever women. How was anyone supposed to study this stuff? She groused. Ash laughed, little by little, with great skepticism and enthusiasm. It helps to have been there. No, thank you. No scholar alive wouldn't give the right arm for your talent. Sucks to be them, Ash chuckled. To answer your question, this place reminds me most of the radical leftist gatherings of the fifties and sixties. Only it smells significantly better. She looked around. Marianne knew her expression by now, fond and wistful. Less angry, too. Less earnest. Less naive. And there was momentum to change. The wars had begun to crack the arts in a new way. It just... But the world is changing now, Marianne said. It's going to be a whole new millennium. That's got to count for something. Assuming the Y2K bug doesn't kill us all off. She could feel Ash's hesitation and sighed. Just rip the band-aid off. Sometimes change takes root, and sometimes it fades away. She felt a little deflated. Everyone she knew was stoked for the whole new millennium thing. Charlene was planning a trip to New York, even. Ash was pretty much neutral on it all. Marianne told herself to suck it up. Maybe Ash hadn't lived through a whole new millennium, but she'd been around long enough to be a little jaded. Ash gave her a little squeeze. But you never know. Progress does come. Marianne blushed a little, and smiled, too. It was nice to be seen. Last chance to have the best damned waitron in van refill your drinks. Sarah deposited fresh cups on the low table. Her apron had been shoved into her backpack, and when she sat on the ancient vintage, she corrected herself, overstuffed chair beside them, her relief was evident. How long was your shift? Just four hours. I was at the youth center this morning working on an outreach program. Marianne felt like a lazy shit. Anyone doing food service had a rough job, and she hoped never to see the backside of a restaurant kitchen ever again. As cool and worthwhile as Sarah's volunteer work seemed, it was no picnic either. Important. Rewarding. More than sending letters and faxes, maybe. But her job was a special case. It was a reason for making the money she sent back to her mom. Something for Revenue Canada to poke at come tax time. She wondered idly what kept women reported back to the government. The folk duo finished up. Ash kissed her cheek. I have to powder my nose. So much more delicate than take a piss. Ash gave her a knowing look. I didn't say anything. Ash only kissed her again and gently unpillowed her shoulder and arm. Marianne watched her weave gracefully between the chairs, noticing the looks that followed her. Well, do you have it? It came yesterday. Let's see it. Ash was doing the human thing. She'd found a table with someone she knew and was chatting, back to Marianne and Sarah. She grabbed her bag and fished around until she felt the little velvety box. It's so tiny and cute. I asked them to make a box to match the era of the ring. It's all reproduction. I thought, I mean, she likes classy things. Sarah opened the box. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. Marianne squirmed, nervous and pleased. Mostly nervous. And excited. Okay, 
She had a lot of feelings, maybe. The ring glittered quietly in the lamplight. Ruby, sapphire, and opal, in an art deco setting. She'd been all over, asking about jewelers. Inquiring. The fancy people. Even the people she'd been asking were fancy. She ended up standing on a rainy London street in her best jeans and a heavy sweater. The shop front looked too... something. Plain. Elegant. She'd been to enough stores with Ash to know what that meant. But she had an appointment. She put on her best casual, ashish attitude. The man who held the door for her didn't bat an eye. Once she was talking to the guy, maybe because she didn't blink at any of the prices he was throwing down, everything went along tickety-boo. The tea was awesome. For tea. I don't know. I probably shouldn't carry it around. But I can't really leave it home, either. She sees everything. You could always swallow it and poop it out. Marianne cackled. Sarah looked back at the ring, and then at her. Holy shit, though. Yeah? It's really okay, right? I'd marry you. Haha. <laughs> Seriously, Mare. This is amazing. And it's kind of old school. Like her. She isn't old. Not like antique old. Sarah touched the ring gingerly. I know I gave you guys the hairy eyeball. But, like, you both unclench when you're together. It's a good vibe. It's good, Mare. She handed back the ring. The velvet was rich enough to be something Ash would like. It was safely away in her bag when Ash returned. Marianne cradled her cup and settled back into Ash's arms, ignoring Sarah's sappy look. She'd blush, and Ash would know. Oh, it's Nika's turn. Watch. Watch, she's amazing. Sarah's excited voice pulled her attention back to the stage. The folksy duo had been replaced by a girl with a black and blonde bob and an acoustic guitar. She wore a long, floral skirt and lacy top and the almost obligatory combat boots. Ash gave a little nod toward Sarah, who was sitting up like an expectant puppy. Someone has a crush. Nika sat gracefully on the rickety-looking stool and futzed with the mic until it was positioned to her liking. I don't know how anyone can be that calm on a stage, Marianne said. Nika's, like, super cool about all of that. She just walked right up there once on open mic night and rocked it. Found out it was her first time singing in public. She introduced herself to whoops that could only come from a home crowd and smiled back at the audience with sheepish good humor. The opening notes of Bruce Hornsby's mandolin rain mingled with the smell of incense and coffee. I hope she plays some of her own songs. The stuff I've heard is great. She's really good, Ash said, and Sarah's smile grew a size or two. Marianne let her eyes half close. It was a peaceful sort of feeling, friendly even. The lamps twinkled, and Ash's foot kept an easy beat. It was like back when she was a kid, dozing off while her parents visited with friends. Home was with them, and safe. A few of the songs were unfamiliar, but Ash could hum along, so they were probably famous but old. She finished up with Floyd's Wish You Were Here, which she did know, and thought Nika did an amazing job. When she finished, Sarah whooped and was halfway to the stage before the applause even got started. I'm glad she was good, Marianne said. I mean, of course she's good. She has a place in the show. Ash only laughed. I'm glad, too. Genuine applause is better than polite flattery. Polite nothings are excruciating. Bet you make it sound convincing. That... Is a very good attempt. Marianne elbowed her, winning a laugh. 
Guys, this is Nika. Nika, this is Marianne, the high school friend I was telling you about, and her girlfriend Ash. She hadn't known she'd been a topic of conversation, so her introduction smile was surprised. She tried to cover while Ash made with the polite greetings. You're Irish, right? Nika said, settling into the chair opposite them. She immediately kicked off the loosely laced boots to sit cross-legged, well-spotted, and here I've worked so hard to lose it. I spent a year in the UK as an exchange student. There were a couple of Irish students, too. Sounded a bit different, though. City folk, I bet. I'm from Mayo. Can't take the bumpkin out of the girl. Why would you ever want to? It's gotta be one of the most beautiful accents in the world. And Irish tenors are sublime. We're full of music and drink and nothing of good sense, Ash said with a smile. You have a good ear. Sarah reappeared with a cup of tea for Nika, not so subtly shifting her chair closer. Nika smiled, with a look from the corner of her eyes that screamed, flirting. I think it's all the music-ing, she paused. Anyway, my family traveled a bit, too. I could probably say hello in a dozen languages. Not very useful, except in quiz games. They talked a little about travel, something Marianne couldn't really add much to. Despite her talent for eliminating the need for plane tickets, they'd decided not to travel overseas just yet. She couldn't say that she'd been lurking around a few European capitals without explaining why. She really needed her passport, but some of her ID was AWOL. How do you lose your own kid's birth certificate? The Maritimes had been really nice, though. The sea was wild there. Massive grey and white waves crashing against the shore. Icy winds... Ash had played chicken with the tide in the Bay of Fundy, out of sight of nosy tourists. Ash nudged her. She returned to the present to see all eyes on her. Sorry, million miles away. No problem. Sarah said you moved down last year? Yeah, I think I'm beginning to rust with all the rain. We're mold. Nika comes from Victoria, Sarah said. Land of the newly wed and the nearly dead, Sarah nodded. Victoria's great. The wax museum and stuff are... Oh, it's because I'm only a tourist, isn't it? Nika laughed. It isn't that bad, really. But Van is where the music scene is. At least until I can get to Toronto. There's been a little boom lately with Lil' Affair and all that. Girls and guitars and attitude. She's even better on piano. Have guitar? We'll travel. Have piano? We'll stay the hell put. How many instruments do you play? Marianne asked. Guitar, piano... Violin, cello, and oboe, she shrugged. My parents believed in extracurriculars, but I have a short attention span. Except you know them all, Sarah argued. Like I know how to say hello. You know a guy wouldn't sell himself short like that. Nika sighed, but it was more tolerant, really. Yeah, fair enough. Next time I won't. Sarah held up her finger in her lecturing pose. Turn every next time into this time, before you run out. I can see why she was your team captain, Ash murmured, watching the pair tease each other. She was always out there hustling with us. The girl who took over was a real dud. You're totally good enough. Everyone says so. Marianne knew Sarah well enough to see her general confidence was only slightly colored by her infatuation. Getting better. Do you have anything recorded? Ash asked, when the back and forth slowed down. Before they left, Ash had demos in hand. Sarah and Nika seemed to be gearing up for a night out, and Sarah hugged them goodbye at the door before retreating back into the fragrant warmth of the cafe. Coffee house.
The rain had transformed into a velvety mist that gathered gradually against her skin. Ash stowed the demos in her bag and took Marianne's hand. Reflections from the streetlights skipped ahead of her feet, faceted by the tiny fissures between the stones. Who knew that pavement could be pretty? But it was. She looked up at the slightly less beautiful sky. Clouds. Smog? But she thought that was mostly sucked up into the Fraser Valley, crowded out the stars with billows of grey and orange. They were walking toward an empty lot on a side street, so it was a little dark at least. But the murky sky didn't bother her too much. Maybe it was different if you were trapped, but a short drive or a shorter hop through a gate and she could have all the night sky anyone could want. No, it was definitely worse if you were trapped, if you didn't have a choice. That pretty much made any happiness sort of suspect. Contingent. Stockholm Syndrome or something. Like you had to slap an at least onto it all, because that's where the bar was set. For happiness, there had to be some kind of freedom. Just, that freedom sort of required money. Maybe it didn't buy happiness, but it sure paved the way. A penny for your thoughts? She grunted in an undignified way. Even Ash's voice was startling in the relative quiet. Inflation. A dime, at least. A dime appeared as if by magic. Yet another way to market Ash's skills, if they ever hit the skids. Marianne took it shamelessly. Just thinking. Hmm, I might want some change back. All right, all right. I've been wondering if maybe your company could hire Sarah. Better hours and money, I bet. Better than waitressing and tips. When she was quiet, Marianne thought she overstepped and started framing an apology. Or at least an explanation. I thought she would have told you. I did offer to find her something. You did? She decided that a full-time job supporting corporate interests wouldn't leave her enough time for school and her charity work. Marianne frowned. What she'd been going to say didn't quite make it out. Yes. You're no corporate goon. And she could do a little less now. Until she finishes school and maybe make better money to live on. I thought much the same. My guess is that when you're faced with people in need, it's hard to walk away, even for a short time. Marianne scoffed. That's an odd reaction coming from you, Miss Frying Pan. I suppose. Ash laughed. You're the embodiment of disgruntled. The world isn't kind to generous hearts. We should protect them. It's probably all that leading by example stuff. There's like downsides but there really isn't any stopping her. Ash led her across the street. She didn't know why until a few minutes later when she heard the sound of raised voices. Guys, she thought, all lubed up with alcohol. The laughing was harsh and followed by the sound of smashing glass. She'd heard it before, at the pit or other parties. Liquid cockiness, liquid stupidity. Blood usually followed, and sometimes teeth or broken bones. Never cops, though. No one ever narked. Hey, hey, hey! The call bounced off the high stone walls on either side of the vacant lot. From the corner of her eye, she saw them begin to converge. A less cool version of a dog pack. Where are you lovely ladies going? They circled around, crossing the street to cut them off. Five, altogether. Why are you rushing off? My breath don't stink. The speaker's friends ribbed him, but fell into place just the same. Ash didn't pause until they stood directly in front of them, fanned out in a vaguely threatening line. A quick glance at Ash showed an eager glint in her eyes. Well, 
She was looking a bit pale. Got us a pair of dykes, one said, just then noticing their joined hands. A low growl rolled out. She felt it in her sternum more than she heard it in her ears. Only the nearest guy caught it, and he looked past them, into the shadows. Out here offending decent people. You? Whatever, dude. Probably she shouldn't have egged them on. But it felt pretty good. It sucked having to be scared, just going out to get milk at the wrong time. Sarah had been telling her about how often people got attacked. Women, especially. Kids. Gay people. Anyone different. The weather was milder in Van, so lots of people washed up here. So, she took the chance to be a little cocky. Hot vampire girlfriend privilege. The bottle came pretty hard, pretty fast. Marianne ducked like a champ, letting out an undignified shriek. Of course, she didn't have to. Ash caught it in one hand. For a minute, everything froze. Then a shower of amber glass chimed to the ground, accompanied by the smell of cheap whiskey. She knew it was cheap, though. Life with Ash was teaching her a few things. Aren't you interesting? She couldn't hear any surprise. He suddenly wasn't so random, though. Not so casual. Like Ash was suddenly something, instead of a nothing only suitable for casual violence. Ash cocked her head just slightly. You want to keep this one, Tommy? Keep? The leader guy, Tommy, she supposed, nodded. Doc might be interested in her. What about the blonde? Get what you can for her. Ash was a blur. Marianne yelped again when she reappeared. Four of them were dead to the world. Tommy still had some twitches in him. You missed? Marianne. She shrugged, trying not to smile. Ash took a step towards Tommy. They were both caught flat-footed when he jumped up. Gonna have to get back to you. He flipped them the bird and took off way faster than a normal person could. A smell lingered, oddly organic, mixed in with all the city and machine smells. Musty, but not completely gross, like old wood and rain. You can sense it. There's a fungus among us. F- oh, Lord. Tie these ones up. I might want a word later. I'm going to track him. Ash vanished. Marianne looked around the crumbling corner of city. With what shall I tie them, dear Liza, dear Liza? Some poking around the back of a garage produced oily rope. By the time she got to the last one, they were already beginning to stir. The urge to kick them was nearly irresistible. Get what you can for her. Fucker. What did that even mean? How many people had they hurt? Don't be lazy. Hog tie is better. The words reverberated, warm and comforting. She started to do as it said. It seemed familiar. Kind of like, fuck you! She backed up, away from the man who was examining one of the thugs. He looked mildly surprised. When he straightened all the way up, she realized that he was goddamn tall, if a little gangly, and edged back a bit more, finding her balance. Don't be difficult, darling. Tie them up properly. The world warbled like she was underwater. Hey, wait. Are you, like, trying to whammy me? Whammy. He said it with the same general sense of insult that Ash did. And actually, now that she looked at him, I don't think so, dude. She stomped. A door cracked open beneath his feet. There was a moment of silence, then a splash. She peered over the edge, watching the ripples vanish in the dark water under Lionsgate Bridge. Hope you can swim. She snapped the gate closed. The chances that he could not only swim but fly were slim, but never none. 
Then she dragged the thugs behind a dumpster before they were spotted by some random passerby. When she was done, there was nothing left but to perch on a cement median barrier and wait for Ash, contemplating the presence of another vampire hanging around their city.